Oh, hello, 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 hello. How are you doing today? If it's night, I want to know how you're doing too. How are you doing tonight? Hi, I'm Nick. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad you could listen. I'm so glad you're, you're here. I'm feeling clear, finally. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly, by the way, a podcast I try to put out every week, multiple episodes sometimes. Today is a solo podcast uh, from a little bit of a different location. I've moved my rig, as we call it in the business, to a writing studio on Toronto Island, and I'm living in this space as well for two weeks. I'm almost at, I think there's like 10 days left or something, nine days left. It goes fast. Hold on to it. But my gosh, things are feeling better since I got here, mentally. Um, sometimes you need to walk to a different room to understand that your head was in a vice the whole time. And by the time you get to the room, the vice is loosened off, your head... <laughs> And you take it off. And your head's a little narrower, but you can still think, still grow a beard. You can do whatever you want. I don't have a beard right now, but I haven't shaved for a bit. I don't know. I'm, I'm island beach bum life. By the way, what did you think of the movie The Beach Bum? Let me know, weeklypodcast at gmail.com. And uh, I kind of enjoyed it. It was super dumb, but... I did like it. I mean, is it bad to say I like most Harmony Corrin movies? Perhaps in spite of themselves? What's bad to say nowadays? Anything? I don't know. So, yeah, I mean, we're at, what, month four uh, of being told that we can't go places, that we have to wear masks, jobs are lost, things are weird. And my situation has been very lucky socially, even for recording the podcast, it's been good. But in terms of just sitting down and being able to write, that has not been something that has been easy or doable. And now that I'm here, I feel that. I have a bedroom and then a huge studio that has a drafting table and a desk. And I'm just able to do things on my time, which means there are naps, which means I'm trying not to write uh, on my to-do list too many things per day. And uh, it's, it, it, it feels like there's a flow happening, and I really, really, really hope I can continue that you know, next Monday when I, when I leave. And um, because it's really important right now, unfortunately, to um, have something to offer in, in the field I'm trying to do because people are just not working. I mean, I'm hearing things are being opened up in, in, in the industry a little, but I, I feel out of the loop. I feel like I haven't been part of anything, and it's really scary to think there's going to be some kind of a, a further downturn. So 
I'm just trying to brace myself for that and for being able to work during this period, which frankly is a privilege. Toronto and, and the rest of Ontario has opened to something called stage three this weekend, which I guess might be a long weekend. I don't know. <laughs> I can't keep track of Canadian holidays. Oh, it is. Monday is family day, a uh, holiday created in this province to reflect family. Anyway, they've opened up the city. They do this. We're right before a long weekend. They're like, now you can do this. So cinemas are open, bars and restaurants, you can go in them. Uh, patios, of course, you can talk on. Gyms are open, but are people going to go to these? I, I don't want to sound bad, but I'm not. My mom is in a demographic that is not uh, particularly safe during COVID, so I don't want to risk that. It's pretty much the same reason I'm very dubious about doing live stand-up again. Although I talked to someone yesterday whose parents, I found out during the conversation, had both, t both tested positive for COVID. And he was saying, yeah, I would just feel bad about gathering people in one place. And, and there's an element of that. But that being said, I, I'm not trying to like shame people who do, who are doing that. Some of the comics I know who are doing these shows are safe people with stuff to lose if, if you know, anything bad were to happen. So I think it's, it's the same level of thinking that I'm having where people are just trying to make sure they still have a career and an identity in the creative arts, which is like the hardest, one of the hardest things to maintain a career in, much less have a career in. So this is what's on my mind. Um, Three months of podcasts where I'm, I'm a little hazy uh, makes sense to me. I hope they were enjoyable. Uh, hopefully, in the future, I'm even more like smooth-brained or whatever you call it. And uh, I've also still been doing my dialectical behavioral therapy uh, workbook get-togethers with a couple of people who have ADHD as well. And um, it just gets better and better. I read something that was really meaningful to me. I'm in this particular section of the book that just is really interesting because it's about controlling your emotions. For instance, right now, if I weren't controlling my emotions, I would be bellowing at the top of my lungs, probably about aliens, the government, and gold but because I'm in control of my emotions. I'm just telling you that's what I would be doing instead of doing it. But is that the same? If you know the answer, write weeklypodcast at gmail.com. Or even better, subscribe to my Patreon. All right. So this is called the Dialectical, Behavioral, the Dialectical Behavior Therapy Skills Workbook. Practical DBT exercises for learning mindfulness, interpersonal effectiveness, emotion regulation, and distress tolerance. All very important at this time. I know I've mentioned this in other podcasts, but I'm bringing it back. It's by Matthew McKay, PhD, Jeffrey C. Wood, PSYD. 
I think that's a psychic, and Jeffrey Brantley, MD, which is a type of doctor. So this is in a section called Manipulating Others. So there's some examples. Um, I'll start with this and I'll say, other forms of manipulation can have short-lived emotional rewards that lead to repetition. So this is about manipulation. This is about um, in relationships with other people, manipulating in order to cope, in order to get what you want. Here we go. Similarly, other forms of manipulation can have short-lived emotional rewards that lead to repetition. When you force someone into doing what you want, Maybe you feel satisfied or in control. These can all be strong emotional rewards, especially considering that many people with overwhelming emotions feel like their own lives are out of control. But again, even these emotional rewards are temporary. So reading this is amazing. And, and um, my first instinct is to sort of place myself in the victim category when I read about manipulation to say, oh, yeah, that totally happened to me. I was totally manipulated. And of course, that's life. We have these things happen. We are manipulated. But hold on, there's more. Remember, no one likes to be manipulated. Eventually, the person who's being manipulated gets tired of being controlled and puts up resistance. Then the relationship becomes confrontational and unrewarding and often ends very painfully. This is usually the worst possible result for a person struggling with overwhelming emotions because he or she is often extremely afraid of being abandoned by others. In fact, all the manipulative behaviors are usually attempts to cope with this fear of being left alone and to force people to stay with them. But when the relationships fail, the fear of being abandoned becomes a reality and this can set off even more incidents of self-destructive behaviors. Amazing, right? No one likes to be manipulated. You get tired of it, and you try to fight while maintaining a relationship. The, then it becomes this uh, unwinnable situation most of the time. And again, th ev this even more. I read this, and I said, oh, um, this has happened to me. I've seen this. And then I like s full stop the thought faster than I've ever turned off my um, victimized. I don't want to say a victim mentality because that's not really accurate to people who feel victimized. But I, I turned off my focus on others and not being able to control people who are trying to manipulate you. You can't. That's what they're doing. So I think it's important when you read about things to actually turn it inward. And I started thinking about times that I've been manipulative. Well, that's not quite accurate. I started thinking I should think about times I've been manipulative. I'll be honest, I, I have a hard time doing the work sometimes, and but I will think about that because it has happened. And maybe it's happened in your life. And I think noting it and being aware of it is the first and maybe also the second step, perhaps also the third, 20-step walk 
to uh, um, managing that and keeping an eye out for when that's happening. And I think when people read pop psychology books, because I don't consider this a pop psychology book, this is um, in layman terms, layman, <laughs> what is a layman? A lay person, it's like a medieval term, but it's just written in a language I can understand, English. <laughs> anyway. But when you're reading something about dealing with a narcissist, dealing with this and that, th these are important things to know. But it's all equally important to look at yourself and say, you know, to what extent do I have these qualities? Because sometimes when we're in a repetitive streak of relationships, that might mean that some of these qualities that we worry about in others exist in us or opposing difficult qualities. So I'm a comedian. <laughs> but I want to talk about this. You know, this is, and if you're someone who's an expert on this kind of stuff listening to this, please get a hold of me. But the most important thing to take out of this, and in a sense to take out of a lot of things that are viewed as, or a lot of disorders and personality, difficult personality traits, or whatever complexes, I don't know what the terms are. Give me some layman's terms, please. Um, is to, sorry, I completely lost my train of thought. It's just remember that everyone is trying to cope with unwanted thoughts a lot of the time who is acting in a certain way, whether they're hopeless, whether they're overwhelmed in the moment, whether they fear and feel fear or danger. This is not to excuse people, but this is just stuff to be aware of. And it's stuff most important to be aware of in ourselves because that's ideally what we can control, although I've had huge issues with that. And that's all. I'm just saying, when you read this stuff that starts talking about how bad a certain personality type is, you have to view not yourself, like you really have to dig deep to find behaviors in yourself that reflect this. Because it's really easy to answer a moral quiz and say, no, I, I don't want to hurt people. No, I, I, I don't think I should have the biggest share, you know. But then sometimes behavior actually tells us differently. Anyway, I'm mostly saying this just because I've been wanting to say it out loud for a long time, at least since reading this. So 14 days. I guess that's a long time. It's almost a moon cycle worth of time. We're at least halfway there. Shout out to anyone having their moon cycle right now. <laughs> And this does go back to talking about the pandemic stuff because, how shall I put this? There's a lot of people with, with things that get in the way. All my life things have gotten in the way. If I operated at the same pace of output or, or movement or time recognition 
um, or energy level as a lot of the people I know, I think I'd be in a, a better position, but it's always been like sifting through, uh, you know that biblical saying, the needle's in the camel, camel's covered in hair, find the needle. That's, and you gotta thread the needle through a haystack with hay. You gotta put hay through the needle hole, which is tiny. It's like that. It's just a never-ending situation of trying to sort myself out in a lot of ways. And that's a, that can be a form of delaying in itself. But if you have self-esteem or something or, or rejection-sensitive dysphoria or any number of things, that can paralyze you. And it can mean you don't try things that other people can do simply. And it can mean that when you do try it, <clears throat> you have an anxiety that kind of poisons your ability to do it beforehand. That's why the, important, the importance of group discussion relating to others and ideally mentorship, I think are very key to making it through this. And that's why people who have been diagnosed with things like ADHD as adults um, can have so many issues like this. And a lot, as I've said on my podcast before, a lot of coping skills that can resemble stigmatized disorders like uh, borderline personality disorder, um, like antisocial, whatever that's called. There's something about being antisocial disorder and um, bipolar too. So you have to recognize that even though you're trying to put someone in a box, there might actually be another box inside of that box. So take out the smaller box, put the person in a, a bigger box, turn the box on its side, open up the bottom, let them get out of the box. Got that? And these people, so, so a pandemic, which took away any momentum I had going outside of this podcast because I was able to continue it, um, it just hasn't created a situation where by August I'm like, cool, I'm working. It's created a situation where I've done training. It's created a situation where I've, um, for my work, got uh, a better audio rig set up where I've, you know, paid for some streaming services just because there was nothing else to do. And yeah, I got takeout sometimes. Yeah, I got delivery sometimes. Did I spend all my money on that? No. Did I spend too much money budget-wise on vices, so to speak, coping mechanisms that might not be healthy? Yeah, probably. Did I make impulsive choices? Maybe. I mean, this is a high anxiety period and people who become overwhelmed or suffer defeat badly or whatever you'd call it, suffer crisis badly, um, 
may have a problem. But and I, I'm just saying this because there was this government stipend um, called Can Canadian Emergency Relief Benefit, CERB, which is, uh, I don't want to give away the ghost, but a vehicle I get to use has that license, those, those letters in the license plate. <laughs> so I was born for it. It's wrapping up at the end of August. People are talking about it. You know, the, the people who grumble are like, oh, well, you shouldn't have spent all your money on it, especially about younger people. Younger people who see no clear future. Younger people who a lot of the time see resistance systematically to how they think it should be. And by the way, that's people on like two sides of the arena. That's people who say, why isn't there more, uh, I don't know. Free speech. And then people who think, why isn't there more public subsidizing of mental health and such. By the way, I also spent money on therapy. You know, my own money and on medication. So, and that's with insurance. So, you know, it's, it's just unrealistic to expect people to go back to work because the government says it's possible. I, the, the one job I had is not going back to work. The other jobs I have are in a period of trying to schedule something, uh, trying to schedule shoots, trying to schedule writer's rooms. Will that happen? Will Toronto not need to close down again after we've opened up gyms? I don't know. Even if we don't, like, what's going to happen? Um, I guess what I'm trying to say is I need more time. And if you have an idea about jobs people can do from home, because as much as I'd be fine being a server, I'm not great at it. I'm clumsy. I sometimes don't know the second step to take without being told. I'm a moist talker. I don't have a car, I can't do Uber. And by the way, these are the jobs everyone will be trying to get. So it's such a mess and I'm not trying to stress anyone out. I'm just trying to say that whatever your country you're in, first of all, look at what's happening there. I know we're all watching places like the US and even Brazil or Britain and saying, oh, look at that. But when especially with these like dominion style countries where you know Canada is just so shadowed the shadow of america is like right over us look at what's happening in our country and figure out and i have to do this too what we can do to make a difference because i am just so sick and i'm so guilty of it too of like looking at america and wondering why they're being that way. It's a huge influence on our politics, there's no question. But their bills are not our bills, their rights are not our rights. They're not your rights if you're in Ireland or Spain or Scotland or Asia, Africa, Antarctica. 
maybe the Alaskan part of Antarctica, if there's one, then they're your rights. Anywho, I'm glad you listened, if you did listen. Um, yeah, I, if you feel like throwing some money to support the podcast, to support other endeavors I attempt, if you can spare it, it is uh, one-time donations can be made to ko-fi.com. And uh, you can go also to my Patreon to subscribe to that. Patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan. I'm not going to lie. I'm not great at updating these things, but I try to put out a lot of episodes a week, and I will get you bonus content. It just is going to happen in these flurries. Unless you'd like to help me sort out how to regularly do Patreon, because I'd love to know that too. And one of the reasons I do want to um, get uh, somewhat of a budget for this stuff is so I can make sure I pay people who help me out, like Andy Lloyd. Um, he's the, he produces the interview episodes, and he does a great job. So, you know, that's not to say he's unpaid. I just want to give him more. Anyway, keep your head up. It's nice out. I'm going to stretch now. I ate a whole bowl of pasta before eating this, and I somehow think it helped my focus. Enjoy yourself. And remember to wear a mask in the steam. Again. Oh, Weekly. Oh,